podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of GigPod. This is 124 and I'm Stevie and while the world went madder than ever this weekend, we are still very much the same as you can possibly imagine and a lot of that is down to some very heavy editing. But nevertheless, a relatively sensible half hour is ahead for you guys, away from the nonsense of the Edinburgh Fringe and Sky Sports drama that everybody lost the run of themselves over. One person who is cool, calm and collected is Rizzo, who is with me for this particular episode to discuss Commander Null, Celtic 5. John, hello. Is everything okay in your world? Uh, hello, Stevie, and hello to the listeners. It is, although unfortunately, and I know the, the nation will be in mourning, I was actually ill yesterday, but yes, thankfully I've recovered from my illness, from my sickness bug, whatever it was, and the, na- the, the fans have got me back in this episode, and what a treat for them. I'm not alone when I say this. Stay strong. We are all with you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Right, anyway. John, before this game, we were saying last week that when we watched the game against Ross County, Lee Labada came on for Dyes and Maeda and pretty much changed the game or he made some impact anyway. I mean, he scored the third goal and he was a real pest. He was such a nuisance against Ross County in that second half. He was so direct and he was such a threat against them. Before the game, I think a lot of Celtic fans were actually thinking that Leila Bada would start and they would get his reward for that goal. However, Ange decided to persist with Dyes and Maeda. And you have to say, John, the manager got it right because two assists for the first two goals and in general, it was a real hassle for Kilmarnock's right back on that entire first half. No, he did get it right. And when I was looking back the day on Twitter uh, about the game, I saw that you were tweeting about people losing the runner cell because people were in a frenzy because Abada wasn't picked and uh, Dyson did start. And I thought he'd start as well because I think you mentioned before that Livingston game. It was a huge game for us in the plastic pitch last season, but a game that we really had to win. Uh, stay clear at the top of the league. We were under massive pressure and Dyson started. He scored the first goal and it was excellent. And it was excellent again on Sunday. I thought he'd been okay in the two games so far this season. I thought against Aberdeen he was pretty poor. A wee bit better against Ross County when, of course, he got injured at half time. But I thought on Sunday it was excellent. Um, that uh, pass, that first goal was brilliant. It was a great pass into uh, Kyogo. And I know it was a second goal, everybody will rightfully so go berserk over Jota's goal because it was brilliant. But as you said, it was him that set it up. And, and as usual, got it right. He picked the same team. As he picked against Ross County and injuries permitting, I wouldn't be surprised if he did the exact same thing against Hearts on Sunday. Yeah, I've got to just give a quick shout out to my friend Mark as well, who is half of the So Dead Odyssey podcast. Now, I was saying to him during the week that I felt Leela Bada would be starting for other purposes 
he really relies on Daisy Maeda to be starting every week. But he was saying that there's no way that Ange will just chop and change that and go away a badder. He's got a lot of trust in Maeda and the way that Celtic play were heavily reliant on Daisy Maeda away from home. Um, and he got it spot on and the manager was fully justified in picking him. And John, you touched on that second goal there. Not a lot of people were going about it because it was the run and the assist for Kyogo that, of course, will no doubt grab the attention for the fact that we got off to a flyer and he was heavily involved in it. But see that second goal? Jota just lobs it up in the air, right? Dyson controls it really well, takes a touch on his knee, and then he takes two players out of the game. And then he assists it for Jota, who has the space to launch that strike past the goalie. We'll get on to him later. But I think it is a wee bit understated, and people have to realise that, without sounding patronising, how important that wee passage of play was with Maeda, and while the assist for the first was completely different to the second, it was such a smart bit of play that took two players out of the game. And that allowed Jota to get that strike off. Yeah, it was intelligent play. And that's the thing about most of the signings that Angie's made. They've been intelligent on the park. Eh, maybe not off the park. <laughs> More on that later. But no, they've got a lot of football savvy. They know what to do. I think they must work a lot in the training ground, especially how to work out moves and routines to take out opposition players. And the thing that was most encouraging yesterday was the fact that the team were so hungry for more goals. Okay, there was a wee bit of a lull in the game, as you'd expect, when we got to 3 0 up at half time. But as soon as we brought the subs on, the ball was just swarming Kilmarnock and we kept them penned in for practically the last 25 minutes of the game. And I think that is the style of football Ange wants Celtic to play. And Dyson is a big part of that. He does a lot of the, the sort of stuff sometimes people don't notice. I mean, he doesn't really score great goals, but he does like like Jota's goal, for example, but he does score important goals. And no, I think the team that started on Sunday, maybe with the exception of Starfield and for Jens, is probably the, the team that's going to be first choice for Celtic for the the time being going forward, I'd say. Right. Last week, John, we said that Jota was the best player in Scotland. He's three assists against Ross County. They really were massive for us and he was the best player in the park in that second half. I mean, really, that goal... It was just out of nothing, and what's so funny about it is uh, I was actually screaming after David Turnbull had had two efforts going high and wide. I thought, no, no, don't be shooting for there. You know, just work the ball into the box and let's press Kilmarnock and let's probe them. No, Jota just decides, shut it, Stevie. And what an effort. What a hit that was past that goalie. Now, if I'm being very critical, I thought that keeper could have done better. It's maybe taking them by surprise. And to be fair, I mean, the, the power in the shot... It's just incredible. There's no doubt about it. He's the best player in Scotland now, and it's just such a joy to watch him. He's probably going to be doing something next week, John, against Hearts, and we're going to be waxing lyrical again because he's just, not only is he so important, he's just so entertaining to watch. I keep banging on about how lucky we are to have him, and I'm starting to wonder now when you're seeing that strike against Aberdeen and then that strike against Kilmarnock, the fact that he is now hitting digs for long range, it's something we didn't see enough of last season. And we're probably going to be seeing it more. Know how players get that second season syndrome where the opponents kind of know what to expect. And when somebody's been on loan or somebody's played in the first season against them and they've given them a torrid time, they get more savvy to it. Jota just looks like he's got an ace up his sleeve now with the fact that he's even more unpredictable, hitting digs for air and getting them on target and getting in like that is just a bonus to it. It's, 
some dimension he's added to his play. And I think that's maybe down to the coaching with the new guys that Ange's brought in, perhaps. Maybe. I mean, maybe Harry Kuehl's spoke to him about that. We've not really heard a lot about what Harry Kuehl does at Celtic, but maybe he's encouraged Jota to take so many long-range shots. Because, as you say, he didn't do that last season. Now he's done it twice already this season with great success. And I did say last week that he could be our best uh, import player since Henry Larson. I stand by that. I just fear that we might not keep him at Celtic Park for long. I don't want people to think, oh, they're being doom and gloom as usual on Gigpod, but I'm just being realistic. Obviously, his performances are going to get noticed. And if he does well in the Champions League, which is the biggest test for every Celtic player, then teams will definitely be interested in him. And it wouldn't shock me if somebody tried to buy him for £20 million plus in the summer. Wouldn't it? Hopefully, we could get even more than that. I mean, I don't like to compare it to English football because the transfers in English football are just inflated beyond words because of the TV deal and good job and the new shoddy TV deal Sky and the SPFL. But, I mean, that uh, Anthony Gordon guy that plays for Everton, I mean, Chelsea are bid, was it £42 million for him? I mean, he's a good player and he's got potential. But Joe is a much, much better player. I know they're playing sort of different positions, but Joe is a much better player than him. But because he plays in Scotland, they'll think, oh, that's a crappy league. He's not going to be worth, like, 25 to 30 million, which I think Joe is worth. And I think that Celtic should be, when he does leave, looking to get the biggest transfer fee any player in Scotland's ever had. I mean, I know the highest is Tierney, even though, I mean, Calvin Bassey did sell for the biggest transfer fee in football history in the summer. Uh, the biggest one still is is, uh, t- is Tierney's for 25 million, and I think Joe is good enough to beat that, especially if he's good in the Champions League, which I've no doubt he will be. That's just the way things go. I mean, that's Celtics. That's always been the way Celtic have went. Like, we'll buy a player for relatively cheap. Okay, we did buy Joe for like six million, so that's no cheap world standards. But then we sell him off for a big profit. And I think that's probably what will happen next season. So, wouldn't he just enjoy Joe while he's at Celtic? And hopefully, he'll have even more excellent goals and assists and what I would imagine is when we play Dungeon United in two weeks I know we're going to talk about goalies later but Dungeon United's goalie is horrendous and if he's in goals I would expect Joy to be taking port shots at him all day because he just can't cope when a team hits a shot on him when Aberdeen when Hearts were hitting shots at him yesterday he just couldn't handle it so I think watch out for Joy I'm maybe getting a couple of goals in that game or a couple more assists but no he's been fantastic and he's on track to be our best player our best Import player since Larson. It's just a pity that he'll no stay anywhere near as long as Henrik did. Maurice Jens made it 3 0 with an overhead kick. That put the game well out of sight by half time. And then Carol Starfield on in the 55th minute as a sub makes it four. His first goal for Celtic. Such a massive moment. I think so many players at the club were dying to see him score. He finally got off the mark with a goal. Very scrappy. Put it away anyway. It was like a typical defender's goal, wasn't it? But the scenes were excellent after they scored. Most importantly, John. As we have kept saying last season, we just weren't threatening enough for set pieces. That's now every game we've played this season. Set pieces, we look like a big threat and we look like we're going to score. I mean, at least one a game now. And it's incredible that this Celtic team, who were maybe last season far too soft and naive when it came to set pieces, we now look like a different animal and we look very aggressive when attacking them and teams can't seem to cope. And I really hope it continues, John, because we can just score for anywhere just now. Yep, yeah, I think they must have worked in that a lot during the summer. As you say, every game we've scored for a set piece. Uh, look, I mean, I know that Jensen's goal, I think, last week was last short corner, but that still counts. 
But no, by the way, that Morris Jane goal yesterday was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I know the cliches always say, oh, a striker would be proud of that, but it was an absolutely brilliant goal. And he looks to be a really good player. I mean, it's just a pie for him that he got that injury. And you've got to imagine that now Starfield's back, it'll be him and CCV, like the first choice defenders from now on. But Jens looks to be a really good player. And as you said, Starfield's goal, all the players were ecstatic for him. Because, I mean, it was unbelievable that he never scored last season with the amount of corners and free kicks that we had. But this season, our corners and free kicks have been much better. And I don't know if that, again, is a Harry Kuehl thing. Maybe it is. We'll probably never know because Celtic sort of keep these things relatively quiet. But, no, the centre-backs look much more threatening. That's every game. Well, we've only played three games. But I sent, that's four goals that centre-backs have scored for us. Welsh against Aberdeen. Gents against Ross County and Gents in Starfield against Commandos. That's 40% of our goals in the league already that defenders have scored. And that is really a good thing to have on your team. If the strikers are like having an off day or they're marked out the game, as can happen sometimes, it's good that we've got these players to weigh in with the goals. And that's a score, that's a score 10 goals already in three games. And I think we could score a lot of goals this season. I mean, I'm not going to go crazy and predict that we're going to be a team 10 nothing or something. I know some people have done that, but no, I think we could score more goals than we did last season, though, and I think that the goals might be spread out a lot more evenly as well. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see like the defenders get like five or six goals at least each. And to round off the scoring, John, it was big GG, and it was another overhead kick, and a nutmeg as well. Two in one game, and that was his first goal of the season. I was delighted to see it, and see when I saw the reaction of the crowd behind the goal when Gigi scored, they were loving it too, and it's not even just like a patronising thing when Gigi scores. Like, the fans love him. Just when you see from the goal we scored against Aloha, when Liam Scales set him up in the cup, and the way that he's just kicked on ever since, the fans have really taken to him, and that reaction was just fantastic, wasn't it? It just goes to show, doesn't it, John, the, the strength with the players that we bring on, the depth we've got. I mean, teams must be hating it and when it gets to 60-odd minutes, when they see Kyogo going off and then GG coming on and he can do that against teams. Some position to be in and it's what we've always been wanting to see when you compare it to this time last season, John, we were saying that first eleven's good but there's no options in the bench. If Kyogo's gubbed, gets injured or he's having an off day, who can we bring on? And at the time, it was like a Yeti. Oppositions were like, oh, thank God, right? We've got a bit of an easy wee shift now. Now when Gigi comes on, something different. And he's so athletic and flexible too. And the goal was just like a real trademark of what he's all about. He's so unpredictable, but I love it. No, it was a great goal. I have to say, it was a weird goal. I don't think I've ever seen a goal that get nutmeg or nobody had kicked before. But no, he loves the overhead kicks. And it's the mark, a good striker that he's able to score at. And... It is a great position to be in. I mean, I always remember that Dungeons United game last year at the start of, near the start of last season when we drew one each. When a jetty missed, I think, two or three absolute sitters. Kyogo was injured, I think. I'm not even sure if we'd signed GG yet or if he was just then. He might have been injured because I know he got injured right at the start when he came in. But no, it's a completely different situation now. We've got two, like, lethal strikers. I mean, that Kyogo goal... I know it's overshadowed, obviously, by the other goals, but that Kyogo movement for his goal was, was brilliant stuff. And it wouldn't have shocked me if we tried to buy another striker. I know Andrew's saying after the game that we're trying to get another couple of players in, and I think whether it might be another striker just to give you yet another option, because it wouldn't have shocked me with the way the league is this season that goal difference might be important, and we might want to bring in yet another striker, but we'll just need to wait and see what happens there. Now, John, on to the man of the match, Greg Taylor. I mean, he was the Sky Sportsman in the match. 
he was my man in the match. I think pretty much everybody watching the game was saying the same thing. Shout out, though, I thought Cameron Carter-Vickers was fantastic. So was Maurice Jens. All the defence, uh, JJ was back to his best. So uh, marauding in that second half. And the boy Dorset at left-back for Kilmarnock, and especially Rory McKenzie down there, they must have hated the fact that they had Jota and JJ just terrorising them pretty much all game. But Juranovic's energy in that second half was fantastic, man. Honourable shout-out as well to Jota for the goal and his general movement and how much a threat it was. But Greg Taylor, I mean, that pass, John, to Dyson Maeda in the first half, I, I would expect that for like Callum McGregor or Matt O'Reilly. It's the fact that Taylor's doing that. And more importantly, John, the fact that you're not even surprised now, it's became a part of Taylor's game. And ever since that game against Livingston away, where he was so gritty, uh, he really gave the ball away. But he was very smart on the ball, was very smart off it. And it was a great recovery after two terrible performances against Bodo and against Hibs as well at Easter Road. I don't want to make it constant that we're always having a, having a mission of guilt because there's players that we maybe went a bit too heavy on last season that have turned it around. Fair play to them. Well, that pass yesterday was like the the way Andrews always wanted his fullbacks to play. I mind like at the start of last season where everybody was getting a panic about the the inverted, the inverted fullbacks like in the middle of the park. Like, how's that going to work in Scottish football? But... That's what Ange wants them to do. And it was a pass like Matt O'Reilly or David Tumble McGregor would have been proud to make. He knew exactly where uh, Dyson was going to make the run. And he found him. And by the way, if Ange was going to moan about MD, about Bodo Glimp, hopefully he'd be moaning about himself as well for his mad team selection. But no, Greg Taylor has been brought in this season. Obviously, he knew that Bernabeu was going to prove a challenge and he was going to have to up his game. And I think he's been man in a match. And at least two of the games we've played, I thought he was brilliant against Aberdeen. For what we saw against uh, Ross County, he played well. I mean, he was involved with Abada's goal. And Sunday was his best ever game. For Celtic, I'd say, I mean, he was man of the match. Sorry, player of the match, as one guy. Uh, and rightfully so. As I've always said about Greg Taylor, he'll never be a huge favourite, just because, in a way, as a Celtic. I mean, and you've pro- you're probably still got to be worried that in the Champions League, he'll probably struggle. But then I think, about eight or nine of the team could struggle in the Champions League, I'd, I'd imagine, because it'll be dead tough for us. But no, he's proven the doubters wrong. I mean, if you look back to that win at Ibrox that won as the league practically last season, he was brilliant that day. He stood up to be counted. I mean, this Scottish Cup semi-final, we've talked about it before. That I mean, if him and Juranovic hadn't get injured, I think we would have won that game. And no, he's just doing excellent. And he stood up to the challenge that... When we signed Ben, ben Rabi, he must have thought, hey, I'm going to have to up my game here. And obviously, Ange must have said to him. And he's done that. And there's, especially with what's came out today, I think that for the foreseeable future, Greg Taylor's going to be our starting left back. And he fully deserves it because he's been excellent this season. And long may his performances continue. I've got confidence in him that when we have got the more difficult games in Scotland anyway, that he'll be able to cope and thrive with it. Okay, Champions League might be a different story, but I think that'll be the same for most of the team. But no, good on him. He's been excellent for us and that was a brilliant performance against Kilmarnock. Fully deserved to be man of the match. We can't ignore it. You touched on Alexandro Bernabe earlier on there. Today, um, it turns out he was charged over a road traffic offence in Glasgow City Centre in the early hours of the morning. There's been a lot of arms and legs growing on the story. I've heard that there's been other charges uh, being brought into it, but 
I think that's maybe Jack and Ori at this point. I can't see anything official from what I've been searching. Certainly in the great newspapers like the Daily Mail and the Sun and all that anyway. Maybe I'll have to go to something more reliable like uh, the Daily Record. Who knows, I've not read that yet. Very quickly on that one, John. How damaging would that be for him under Ange at this point in his Celtic career? Well, I can imagine that Ange obviously isn't going to be happy, and rightfully so. I mean, drink driving's a bad thing. Well, what's a bad thing to do? It's a terrible thing to do. If that is what he's been charged for, uh, we really can't see much about it because, like, at the time of recording the pod, Celtic haven't said anything about it. You just don't want to have him at your football club. And I imagine that either Celtic will bring out a statement maybe t- at some stage tonight or tomorrow, or they might just keep it in-house. But it wouldn't surprise me if it was uh, out of the team for a wee while and he wasn't in the squad at the weekend. For all I've got my thoughts on it, John. Can't really say more until Celtic actually inform us of the script. So until then, we'll just have to move on. And when Celtic do say something, we'll no doubt react to that. Next up is the visit of Hearts at Celtic Park. Now, when you look at the league table, John, is us at the top of the league, Rangers in second place. Hearts, you know, they were the third force in Scotland last season. They look like they're probably going to be again this season, especially when Aberdeen, Hibs and especially Dundee United have completely shat the bed this weekend and in general this season. Been really poor with Hibs in 6th place, Aberdeen in 7th, Dundee United under Jack, Shit Ross, our good pal, in 10th. So yeah, Hearts have been fairly consistent as pair under Robbie Nielsen and it really should be three wins out of three for them, John, because they really should have held out against Hibs the other week and there was a bit of naivety that let Martin Boyle score the goal. Well, they ended up drawing one each by... They've had a terrible record in Glasgow, as far as I'm aware, without Googling here in front of my laptop. 2007 was the last time they won at Celtic Park when Andy Driver scored in that free kick when we'd already won the league. I think we speak about it all the time with notable Hearts fan Robert Borthwick, who's a friend of the pod, and very well could come on for a preview um, to talk about that game. But we'll see how this week goes. But aye, Hearts, terrible record in Glasgow. I don't want to say it'll be a gimme. We'll obviously have to work hard to win. No game is a guaranteed three points, but if Celtic play at our very best, that game should be out of sight for us. Uh. I think it'll probably be a tough game, maybe at the start, but the thing is, Hearts have got that uh, Europa Conference League uh, qualifs, uh, playoff to play in between. They're playing Zurich and Thursday uh, before they play us. So, I mean, obviously they'll be focusing on playing us because that'll be a big game for them, but I think like, that'll come into their thoughts as well. I mean, I think it's probably the hardest game of the season so far. I think Hearts are a decent team. I watched that game against Hibs, and I know Hibs are in a great shakes, but Hearts were a much better team. And Lauren Shankland, who I'm not really sure if he is a good player, though, is doing well in the Premier League. He's scored two goals for them already, so won't you watch him? The Barry Mackay, who I think when he was at Rangers was worth some like 25 bazillion quid, is actually playing well for them now. We've got Liam Boyce as well, who is a good Celtic man, and he didn't miss that penalty against us last season. Thanks for that. And, I mean, we were at the last Celtic Hearts game, of course, uh, when we won 4-1, and that was a difficult game at first. We grew into it and won relatively comfortably. And I think this could start a difficult game as well, but, I mean, as you say, we play our best. We're more than capable of making it four wins out of four. I don't think we'll maybe score five goals or anything like that this time, but if we play our best, well, we should get the three points. Oh, and John, before we go, we actually forgot to talk about it. That me and you were texting each other about today. That who scored Scottish Premiership Team of the Week. Mental now to anybody who doesn't know this. Now, we all saw the results and we saw the performance by Celtic yesterday. Now, who scored.com in association with those wonderful guys at Sky put out a Team of the Week. It is as follows. 
that balloon, Sam Walker at Kilmarnock, who was at fault for at least two of the goals yesterday, was the goalie. Tavernier, the penalty king at right back, Obelai and Rolls uh, of Hearts. Obelai plays for Livingston, they were at centre half, despite the fact that Livingston and Hearts conceded goals at the weekend and our centre half, didn't they? Greg Taylor, Justice, and then at left back. Scott Arfield, Cammy Devlin, Tillman and Matondo are all in there in the midfield. And up front, that nobly guy for Livingston and uh, Shankland, as you talked about. John, <laughs> no Juranovic, no Jota, no Kyogo, no Maeda, no even Matt O'Reilly. <laughs> what is going on there? I don't want to say it's a conspiracy, but it's a conspiracy. No, but I mean, how is the commander goalkeeper in it? He was so poor against us. Not to take away from Gigi and Jota's goals, because they were excellent, but he was, you would say he was at fault with him, and he maybe could have done a wee bit better with Starfield's goal as well, when he just palmed it back at him. I've no idea how uh, he got voted in as team of the week. I don't know what the who scored guys were thinking about that. I mean, that noble guy at Livingston's actually a good player, and uh, I think he'll probably cause us problems when we play them next month, when, sorry, we play Mr. Martin deals Livingston next month. But it is very weird. Uh, okay, Greg Taylor should be in it, and fair enough. But no Jota just doesn't make any sense at all. And I've no idea what who scored in the Sky Sports were thinking there. I'd love to get their reasoning, but we'll probably never get it. Probably Chris Boyd must have picked them or something. I've no, I've no idea what they were thinking. It's just truly bizarre. A great guy, of course, that we would never criticise, John. And before you get to do your outro, I believe we've got to address the fact that it was a big decision on the gig pod intro and outro music now for everybody as you know every week when it comes to the music that we play we run an instagram poll we ask you guys to pick it so this week it was the business that great danny dyer and tamar hassan film directed by nicholas love in 2005 if you haven't seen it watch it it truly is one of the greats anyway i've been watching that uh, last week what a soundtrack it's got so i chose call me by blondie Spunk Phone chose I Ran by A Flock of Seagulls. Reads Audio chose It's My Life by Talk Talk, which was covered by one Gwen Stefani of No Doubt in 2004. But it was a tie between myself and Spunk Phone's choices, Blondie and uh, A Flock of Seagulls at 39% each. John, before you do the closing it out here, have you got any thoughts on the music choice of this one? Because we're going to have to do two separate songs and yours doesn't feature. Uh, I'd probably pick Blondie, because it's a better song, in my opinion. A, a pop classic. John, look, rules are definitely to be respected, so I think A Flock of Seagulls, I ran, reminds me very much of uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, back in 2002, when, when Thomas Versetti was running about the streets of Miami with a chainsaw, with that tune in the background. I think it was the trailer music for it as well, back at the time, so I will respect the rules, and I'll play that as the intro, no doubt, in Call Me By Blondie will be the outro, but maybe next week, John, a music choice of yours will be the winner, and the listeners will respect you. I should get to pick the songs, in my opinion. Eh, uh, no. I think I should get to pick the songs at least one week anyway. But eh, uh, no, Call Me By Blondie from the brilliant film American Jiggle as well, if anybody's seen that, directed by Paul Schrader, who's an interesting guy, so... Is that as good as the business? Who can say? But, eh... Uh, right, so thanks to Stevie uh, for being on the pod as usual. We'll probably be back with a preview at a Hearts game later this week. You can catch us on all the usual podcast platforms. You know where by now. Leave us good reviews and leave us five stars, etc., etc. 
you can catch us on Twitter and on Instagram at GigPod. There'll no doubt be yet another poll for next week's or for the next pod theme, which Stevie will pick, no doubt. I'll be uh, shunned for my music picks. But uh, we'll speak to you all soon. Thanks everybody for listening and hail hail. <laughs>